0: Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Thanks Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. From We'd Hoffman love town to hear Church. how God is working in your life. Think, Everyone you has know, a story. Matter, Please tell we us we yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the we Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage Christ. to share yours with us. God's Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join you. us next week. And the question
1: is are we living it? Are we walking in, in what God has for us? Are we, uh, we say we believe in, in the fact that Jesus is the hero of history. We say we believe in the word of God. And the question is, how is the life of Christ being made manifest, being revealed through our lives? In our attitudes, and our actions, in what we do, and how we do it. And there are times where we trip and stumble, right? There's times where we sin. But praise God that God has provided forgiveness for us already. And it's not that we've got to do something to get it. It's it's that we need to learn to walk in what God has already given and appropriate it. It's that we need to confess. It's that we need to agree with Him because the Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will come alongside of us. And folks, we don't need to wallow in it. We need to get up and stand up and walk on because of what Christ has done for us. Because of the fact that uh, we have Him living His life in and through us. I, I just want to give you a, a, a brief overview and kind of walk through it in this sense, right? There's the map. There's these eras of history, and, and we've taken some time to look through that this year, uh, starting in creation, going all the way to the end times. There's the means. What's the thread that connects all these different time frames, all these different eras with regard to human history, as well as looking forward prophetically into what has yet to happen, right? And then there's the ministry. There's the ministry, when we say we believe that Jesus is the hero of history, what have we been called into? What is it that God desires to do in and through our lives? How does the Lord want us to be walking with him in such a way that he's being revealed through us? And I would suggest it is make disciples, etc. but all of that uh, revolves around the ministry of reconciliation. And so how are we working with the Lord? How are we yielded to him so that he in and through us is being revealed. Well, the map, eras in history. We started out with the the creation, right? From the beginning of creation, God's grace clearly is immediately foreshadowed as his plan of redemption is made known. He creates all things. He speaks all things into existence. We have the fall of man. We have sin entering in through Adam, and we have this immediate pronouncement Uh, with regard to redemption. God pronounces his creation good, Satan and the issue of evil. God allows these things. We have the fall, uh, Adam sins. All of humanity as well as creation is placed under the curse of sin, which we saw in the millennium is going to be lifted. And then in Genesis 3.15, we get this pronouncement. I will put enmity between you and the woman speaking to the serpent. And between your seed and her seed, And again, right there, there's the immediate foreshadowing of Christ. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. So immediately, at the very beginning, God begins to foreshadow that he understood that these things would take place, and he already had a plan in order to deal with it. He already had a plan for redemption with regard to mankind. The Lord begins immediately to work towards that redemption, the the Adam and Eve have to leave the garden, but you see them covered with skin, so there's a sacrifice, there's a covering that is provided for. We went into Noah's flood, and you have the picture of the ark, and you have all the different ways in which God reveals redemption, and he continues to, through pictures, through circumstances, to reveal his redemption to humanity. There's Babel and the spreading of humanity throughout the earth. And then we get into Israel and the law. Throughout Israel's beginning as well as existence, you have these pictures of Christ that are seen. Israel is just a beautiful expression of God's desire to provide redemption for mankind because it is through Israel that our Messiah comes. In Genesis chapter 15 verse 6, We see one of the threads that is obvious throughout Scripture concerning Abraham. He says, then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. That word "reckoned" means to be credited to him as righteousness. It wasn't on the basis of law because that didn't come until 400 years later. It wasn't on the basis of what Abraham did. It was the fact that he believed in God. And you can see that in Romans chapter 4 verse 3, you can see it in Galatians 3.6 or James 2.23 where the writers of the New Testament refer back to this moment that is so essential to understand when it comes to the context of all of Scripture, that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, period. And it doesn't matter what era. We're going to talk about it. doesn't matter whether it's during uh, the time of creation, whether it's into the time of the Gentiles in terms of uh, leading up to the ark. It doesn't matter whether it's Abraham being called out and being given the Abrahamic covenant. It doesn't matter whether it's the, the time of Israel or the, be, the giving of the law. All of those things, the church, all of it right, is connected by grace through faith. We looked at the patriarchs and how they believed in the covenant promises of God, Isaac and Jacob, as well as Joseph. I always like that one moment there. It's so hidden, but it's such a beautiful expression that Joseph makes them promise, when our people leave this land, you take my body with you. What an amazing man of faith Joseph was. We get to think about the plagues and The way the Lord miraculously delivered Israel from Egypt and the picture of the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and and the rescuing, the salvation provided, the salvation given to Israel as they chose to believe what they had been told and they placed the blood of the lamb and the blood covering and as a result salvation being given to them or the Red Sea And how God saved them from Pharaoh and his army. And I always love that story because that's the box canyon moment, right? Everybody's always being placed into box canyons. God loves to do this, not because he loves to get us and frustrate us, but because he loves to reveal his power to us. Right? He, they couldn't go to the right. They couldn't go to the left because they were canyons. that was impassable. They couldn't go forward because the sea and behind them was Pharaoh's army. They thought they were destroyed. And there's times God places us in circumstances where it appears as if we're going to be destroyed. And yet the Lord always has a way because he is the way. And when we start walking with Him and start following Him, we begin to realize in the midst of life that all of our circumstances have been filtered through His hands first, and as a result, as we trust Him and we yield to Him, He begins to open up things before us that in and of our own selves we could have never come up with. We see the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, the ordinances of worship, the tabernacle, the sacrificial system, all of it pointing Christ. We know in Hebrews that he says this was just for a time. It wasn't what was to be in its completion, but it was a shadow. It was a foreshadowing of what was to come. It was a picture of Christ and the need of the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. But all of these individuals in the Old Testament had had an opportunity to look forward to the coming of the Messiah, the wandering in the desert as believers. Refusing to believe in the Lord's promise to give them victory, refusing to go into the land and the picture that it is for us as believers today of having received salvation, now having the privilege of walking in it. And the question is do we trust the Lord in the midst of that which He has for us? Do we trust Him to move us forward? Do we trust Him to take on those things which He alone is able to have victory in? But are we willing to walk with Him in the midst of it? Or are we going to not believe in Him as believers? And as a result, not experience all that he has in store for us that actually he's already declared for us that's already ours. The new generation, their walk with the Lord as they go into the land of Canaan, I'm always struck by Joshua and Caleb, and I love Caleb, give me that mountain, right? He's waited all these 40 years in the desert. Joshua and Caleb are uh, allowed to go into the promised land. Not even Moses was because of what he had done. And Joshua and Caleb go in. Joshua has tremendous uh, success as he follows the Lord. And the Lord goes before him and battles for him, gives him the plans even that are necessary in order to take over the land of Canaan. And then we get to this moment where Caleb, having fought, having been faithful, having followed God through all these things, says, give me that mountain. And we find out that it was one of the most difficult mountains to take because it had some of the most difficult people in order to defeat. What an amazing truth. What an encouragement to each and every one of us. The time of the judges, the constant cycle of doing what was right in their own eyes. Friends, we're, we're not uh, exempt from that. <laughs> Sometimes we always look back and we always look down on them for, for what, they, what they did or what they didn't do. And, and the truth of the matter is just a picture of our flesh. Everybody was always doing what was right in their own eyes. Rather than what? Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing in the sufficiency of God, believing in him to accomplish what he alone can accomplish. And we we struggle with that today, we all do. There's times where we gotta be reminded of that and there's times we gotta come back to the Lord and ask for forgiveness in it. Because there's times where we start to do what's right in our own eyes instead of saying, Lord, what do you want? What do you have in store? David and the Messianic prophecy, that one of his descendants would be on this throne forever. And all the story of David, really, is just an amazing example of God's faithfulness, his sufficiency, his promises fulfilled. you got Solomon, the building of the temple, what a beautiful picture that is. You have the Assyrian captivity because the north refuses to worship the Lord in Jerusalem and other reasons. And then you have the Babylonian captivity of the south where Daniel and the others are taken to Babylon. You have the return to the land, the end time prophecies that are given to Daniel about the 70 weeks that have been designated for Israel. And that 70th week is yet to come. And in between the 69th week and the 70th week, we have the church age. We have this time That was not necessarily foreseen, but God in his sovereignty knew was going to take place. In the midst of the life of Israel, we have the promise of a seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Abrahamic covenant. We see that all through the Old Testament. We have the sacrificial system. We have the giving of the law. Why was the law given? Was the law given in order for us to have some kind of a step ladder to show God how righteous we can actually be? Absolutely not. The law was given in order to reveal the need of a savior. And it points to the Lord Jesus Christ. All the different experiences, you can go through it. Some of you mentioned it, uh, some of them, in the Old Testament, about God's faithfulness. And you see how God worked in mighty ways, in miraculous ways, for his people in order to rescue them in spite of, perhaps, their unbelief at times. All of this leads into this era that was unforeseen, the church era, where we have grace realized. Truth and grace were realized, how? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. We have the gospel and the beautiful story of our Savior, starting in John with his divinity, We have the humble beginnings born of a virgin in a stable, right? It wasn't actually a stable. It was probably more of a cave. But obviously it was not a palace. His life and the way that the Lord lived, that he is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. All the prophecies that were fulfilled by the Lord. I mean, you, you think back about all the different things that were said, where the Lord was gonna be born, how he was going to be born. I mean, just on and on and on and on. It's indescribable, the accuracy of how God brought this about. And obviously the Lord's death and his resurrection. Praise God for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born in order to go to the cross. He set his face as flint to go to that cross. He had each and every one of us on his mind when he went to that cross, because he knew that if he didn't go to the cross, if he didn't shed his blood, if he didn't drink that cup, that salvation is something we could never achieve on our own. We had to receive it by believing in him. And the Lord went to the cross in order for that to take place. And then, glorious day, right? Three days later, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ takes place. What a beautiful thing, sin defeated, death defeated, one day in its actuality at the end of the millennium where sin, the last enemy, will be abolished, death will be abolished. We begin to walk through the message of the Lord to believe in him for salvation. Do we believe? See, it's not just an issue of uh, mental acquiescence. This is an issue of uh, saying, yes, Lord, you've persuaded me fully. And as a result, receiving from him what he freely offers, but then as believers to continue to walk in that. It's not by our might. It's not by our strength. It's by God's spirit within us. The believers and the newness of life, we are qualitatively brand new when we become believers. The calling to make disciples that each and every one of us have, or to walk by faith, the the willingness to be persuaded that God is able in spite of what we can figure out, on our own. The power of the word of God and prayer as we enter into this relationship with him that he has invited us into as he comes to live within us and then begins to walk with us in the midst of life. And as John said earlier, the threat of false doctrine and or belief systems that would in any way, shape, or form set themselves up against the knowledge of the Holy One and in effect attack grace. Because all false doctrine has an element of works involved in it. The end times, we've obviously taken the last couple months to look through this, but Daniel's 70th week or the rapture and when that takes place, the tribulation, Armageddon leading into the millennium, and the millennium itself, the thousand-year reign of Christ, and after that, the new heaven and the new earth. Folks, we got to be careful about being dogmatic about it all. I I remember studying with Spiros uh, years ago, and I was sitting at his home, and we had gotten into a passage in Revelation, and he looked at me, and I want to tell you something. Uh, I have never met anybody in my life that studied the Word of God like Spiros Odiades, okay? And he looked at me, and he said, Eric, he said, I still don't understand Revelation fully. So there's room for grace in all of this, Right? You know, we joke around, if you want to go on the second bus when the rapture takes place, you go right ahead. I'm going on the first Hey, look, uh, with with grace, we can walk through these things. I, I personally believe that the Lord's coming before the tribulation. Amen. If you don't, like I said, you can go on the second bus. But I'm not going to break fellowship with you over it, okay? It's all good. But the reality of it is, in the midst of all that, we know that God is sovereign. And we know that there's coming a day when God's kingdom will be established on this earth because he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. And we will rule and reign with him as believers. The means, salvation by grace through faith. There's the map, which is all the different things that we look through, but the thread that connects it all is salvation by grace through faith. The Old Testament saints look forward to the coming of the Messiah, right, because Jesus entered into history, into historical time when he became a child, when he came in the likeness of man, literally when he was conceived and then when he was born. And we think about the fact that God, who is outside of time, who actually created time, entered into time. And I love that passage in John that says, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. He entered into time. And we have this opportunity as New Testament saints, of looking back to what God has accomplished. The Old Testament saints looked forward to it, and they believed. And as a result, as Abraham was stated of Abraham, it's credited to them as righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 says, What then shall we say that Abraham and our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. The Old Testament saints did not have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, though clearly there were those who experienced the Holy Spirit. You could see this in the prophets. You could even see it in King Saul, where the Holy Spirit came upon him and began to prophesy. He was numbered amongst the prophets and then the Holy Spirit left. Or or David, who clearly had the Holy Spirit and prayed, let not thy Holy Spirit depart from me. Today, however, as New Testament saints, we have the permanent indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we look back and we recognize the work that Christ did for us at the cross, that it is finished, that he rose again, and when we believe in him, immediately the Holy Spirit comes to take residence within our lives. We are called new creatures in Christ Jesus. Romans 5.5 5 says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. At what moment was the Holy Spirit given to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we received from him what he offers to everybody? Or in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, where he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? See, we've been purchased, and not with gold and silver or things that are perishable. We've been purchased with the precious, spotless blood of Christ Jesus himself. And as a result, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us when we believe in him, and we begin to walk with him. We are now new creatures in Christ Jesus, totally brand new, and we have hope, we have an assurance, and we have the presence of God within us. New Testament saints upon death immediately are in the presence of the Lord in heaven. Old Testament saints went to paradise or they went to what's called Abraham's bosom. They had to wait for Jesus to enter into historical time and go to the cross and shed his blood in order that at that moment their sin was completely paid for and then Jesus went and took them and ushered them into heaven. Now when we pass away, the Bible makes it very clear. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes to live within us and we die as believers. This body, this shell, goes away. What happens to us? We immediately are in the presence of the Lord. Folks, what a hope. Right, Erwin? What a hope. What a precious, absolute, beautiful promise that if we die, it's simply a door into something way better, something that we can't even begin to fully comprehend. We can think about it. We can talk about it. We can look at what scripture has to say, but Paul says it's so glorious, I wasn't even allowed to speak about it. Think about that. What's the ministry that we have? We've taken time this year to just get kind of a 30,000-foot overview. At the beginning of the year, I heard, oh, my goodness, you're going way too slow. We're in the eighth week, and and we're still in Genesis. How are you going to get through Scripture? And by about week 15, I was hearing, slow down, slow down, man, slow down. We can't go that fast. Elders were threatening me. (laughs) I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Partly because Kim, now that he owes me a steak dinner, didn't want to keep his bet, you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, we didn't have a bet. But the point of the matter is when we walk through this, what is it that we come away from? Folks, I hope you come away from it, from the fact that God's in control. Is there anything in your life that somehow God is shocked by, surprised by, didn't know what was gonna happen? Somehow he fell off his throne and you know, the crown came off, whatever. I mean, the Lord is absolutely sovereign. He doesn't cause all things to happen. I don't believe that. I think he permits things to happen. But one thing we know that even if he permits it, he's sovereign over it and he will bring about his good. He will bring about his purposes for our lives in the midst of it. And so there's absolutely nothing that's outside of his power and authority. There's nothing that we have to fear. There's nothing that we have to worry about. That salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. I don't care what uh, historical era we want to talk about, that everybody has the opportunity to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. It is a promise given. It is an invitation given to all. For God so loved the world. As believers, the question is, are we walking in that? Do we understand this absolutely small little pinprick of a moment in time that we have been called to follow God in the midst of? Do we have a perspective of God that he is sovereign over the nations, that he's sovereign over time, he's sovereign over all the things within our lives? And are we following him? Are we walking with him? Is he being revealed in and through us? Is his life being made manifest through us? When we tell people that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or we rail against those who don't, are our lives reflecting the grace and the goodness and the glory and the truth of our Lord? Is his life being made manifest through ours? Second Corinthians chapter five, verses eighteen and nineteen says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, not our works, not because of our value, so to speak, not because of anything other than Christ Himself. And what did he give to us? And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. See, we look at all this, all this information, historical past into historical future, and, and we begin to realize that in the midst of this, in this timeline that we're a part of, on this little blip, on this massive journey, that in regards to eternity is nothing, And we have an opportunity to follow God and experience God and to be used of God as vessels through which the life of Christ is made manifest, is made visible. And we have this ministry. I don't care what it is that you do. I don't care whether it's in the secular world. I don't care whether it's at school. I don't care whether it's in your family. I don't care whether it's a church. Everywhere we go, we have this opportunity to participate with God, to experience God, to follow God, to experience his power and his strength and his grace and his love as he not only transforms us, but as he reveals himself through us in this whole ministry of reconciliation. And when we say we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and people watch our lives, do they recognize we're not perfect, but boy, we're consistent. We haven't arrived But there's something about us that is obviously reflecting God himself. And we have the opportunity when people come to us and ask us, what's this hope that you've got to give an account for the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're truly believers in Jesus, and if we truly as believers are saying that we agree he is the hero of history, he is the fundamental issue within this entire historical arena of a human race, then I think the ministry of reconciliation is something that all of us need to take seriously. And we need to reflect on our lives as are we really participating with the Lord in the midst of this? That ministry of reconciliation is a banner moment. It involves making disciples because making disciples is not only sharing with them how they can be saved, but also when they get saved, teaching them to observe all that the Lord commanded. And that doesn't mean just coming to a class on Wednesday night. That means that they can observe our lives, watch our lives, and understand what we're saying because they watch us do it. We role model what it means to walk with God to walk by faith. If that's true, when we say this, what are some of the ways in which our lives should be marked, should be marked? Let me just give you a few. First of all, love, love, you shall know them by their love. We say we believe in Jesus. We say that he's the hero of history. We say that he's everything to us. What ought to be a mark within our lives? It is love. Galatians 5.23, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. Is love. People ought to be able to look at us and observe, not perfection, but consistency when it comes to our walk with the Lord. They ought to observe God's life, Jesus Christ himself being revealed through us. They ought to observe Love, not the feeling, not the mushy-gushy moment, not the I love McDonald's hamburgers, or "I, I love chocolate, but that I'm willing to lay my life down for you. That kind of love. Secondly, faith, and I would add hope with that because hope is just future faith. They ought to see a people of faith They ought to recognize that there is something unique. It doesn't make sense, but they trust God. It doesn't matter whether it's in the midst of your life and all the details of it or whether it's corporately as a church body. They ought to look at each and every one of us and recognize that faith is something that is absolutely a reality about our lives. Why? Because it's Christ in us. It's not us. We don't wake up one day and say, hey, I'm going to love everybody better than anybody else. Or I'm going to walk by faith better than than Daniel or whoever else. Paul. But it's the life of Christ being made manifest through us when we yield and surrender to him. What about humility? What about humility? In Philippians chapter 2, where it's very clear that Christ humbled himself and he even humbled himself to go to the cross and to die for us. When people look at us, do they recognize humility? Or is it pride? And what's the center of pride? Me. Do they recognize humility? Do they recognize the willingness to lay something down? The willingness to put others first and their rights? Or do they hear in us a constant holding on to our rights, what we deserve? Or do they recognize? No. <laughs> we'll lay that down. We'll trust our king with that. And it's okay. What about thankfulness? Thankfulness. I tell you, one of the great truths about believers is their gratitude. Where does that come from? It comes from God in us. Colossians 1:12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, my goodness, thankfulness, thankfulness. And last but not least, and certainly not the only, but forgiveness, forgiveness. I would say forgiveness is simply grace towards one another. Forgiveness is just grace towards one another. (laughs) Boy, there's a lot of things I could say about forgiveness and all the rest for that matter. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Wow. Why do we forgive? Because Christ forgave us, pure and simple. The debt that I owed Christ is so monumentally greater than anything that anybody has ever done to me that whether they come and ask me for forgiveness or not, my attitude in the midst of it as a believer who says Jesus truly is the hero of history is to lay it down and say, Lord, in your grace, by your grace, in your strength, I forgive. I forgive. And lay it down. And you look at that person who has perhaps wronged you, who has perhaps done something to you that you're having a hard time with, and you look at that person and you say, Lord, help me to see that person through your eyeglasses not my own, all in light of the fact that you forgave me. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Folks, there's times where we forgive people and and they don't even think they need forgiveness. Or they continue to do what they've been doing because they don't see what they've done as being wrong. Reconciliation is a step that takes place as a result of forgiveness because now there's the agreeing, there's the admitting, there's the working through something. But the attitude first and foremost is always to lay it down and to forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave us. And then we begin to reconcile. Then we begin potentially to build trust. All of it in Christ, all of it in His grace. Reconciliation is when we both take a little bit of ownership as to what we've done that needs to be forgiven. And when we do that, we have the opportunity of walking in God's grace because we're laying things down. We're saying our attitude is we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There is absolutely no way that we're going to allow these absolute finite things to get in the way of what God wants to do. Not going to allow it in God's grace, and in his strength. Matthew 5, the Lord's speaking, and I don't have time to go through the whole passage, but in verse 23, he says, therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, this is how important this is. If you're presenting your offering at the altar and there, remember that your brother is something against you, leave your offering there before the altar. Go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Wow how important it is to get things right. And folks, even if the other individual doesn't recognize or see, the question is, are we willing to lay it down? Are we gonna allow it to divide us? Folks, I just wanna encourage you in this. I love you in the love of Christ. It's been an amazing few years at Hoffman Town, and I'm thankful for the way God's been working, how he is working, and I'm excited beyond belief at what I see, I believe, the Lord calling us to as we look at where God's going and how he's inviting us to join him and to experience him. Wow. Oh, the fields are white. And I gotta tell you this, and I say this in love, and I say this as... Myself, I got to say this to myself as much as anybody else. If we say to the world that we love Jesus, but that that love is not being revealed right here, we have undermined the very gospel of God's grace. And what we need to do is to make sure that first and foremost, we're rightly related with the Lord. And we need to ask the Lord, is there anything in my life, Lord, that I've sinned against you? and get that right. And then what we do is we go to the Lord and say, Lord, is there any way that I've offended my brother or my sister in Christ? And we are willing to go and make that right and trust the Lord with the results of it. And I wanna encourage you to do that. Let's enter this new year with a profound hope and expectancy that God is with us, God is leading us, God is directing us. Let's get our eyes off the past. Let's move forward in what God has for us. And in order to do that in a right way, in God's way, let's make sure that we're rightly related with him first and then one another So that when we begin to go and help and we begin to experience God and we get called by the Lord into certain arenas and we begin to share with people who perhaps don't know the Lord, that Jesus loves them, or we begin to go and help other believers to encourage them that God is faithful, that He's true, that He is the God of the re. He's the God of revival. He's the God of renewal. He's the God that can do things and make things new all over again. When we begin to go and tell them that, they look at our lives, they look at our story, they look at our testimony, and they go, There's something about that that I want to be a part of because God's in it. Let's make sure that we celebrate this Christmas. And in the midst of it, we come before the Lord, all pretenses, all masks aside, and just say, yes, Lord, we're your people, imperfect as, as we may be, but we believe you, and we believe you've got a better way, and that better way is love. That better way is love. Fundamentally, two things, that if we say that we truly believe that Jesus is the hero of history, All those character marks are gonna be true, but there are two things. People ought to look at our lives and say, they love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind, and they love one another, amen? Isn't
0: that the truth? I believe it is. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life